In today's episode, I have the amazing Sean McDevitt here with me, and I'm really pumped for you to dive in as Sean talks about a lot of different topics in this episode, health and fitness, psychedelics, shifting your mindset and belief system, creating the life and business you love, and you're going to get so much out of it. So I actually met Sean over the summer when mutual friends of ours put on a micro festival, and I met Sean there, really connected, and... I'm excited to have him on the podcast. Now, Sean and his wife, Dela, actually own a company called DLD Nation, which is an online fitness and nutrition company that's helping thousands of people get fit and stay healthy for the rest of their lives. I actually also started in the fitness realm, so we connected on that as well. Now, Sean is expanding his services and practice and helping people in a deeper way through psychedelic integration and really transforming their mindset and belief system. And we talk a lot about that in this episode. If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I am super passionate about plant medicine and psychedelics and really just all the tools out there to transform your mindset and life. So I love that Sean and I get to dive into that a bit more together in this episode. And I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So... Sean is also the host of Shots of the Dome podcast. Just want to mention that so that you can check that out as well and give it a listen. And you can also find him on Insta at Fitness Shaman, which by the way, when you're listening, make sure you tag us on Instagram. I always love seeing when you are listening to the podcast and hearing what you get out of it. So, so appreciate that. So without further ado, let's welcome Sean onto the show. Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Babe podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to step into your power and manifest a life and business that sets your soul on fire, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Stephanie Bellinger, and I'm a mindset and success coach for spiritual entrepreneurs. I am obsessed with helping my fellow soul sisters shine their light and live out their purpose so they can experience more magic in everyday life. We all have a special purpose here and we're meant to share our message and gifts with the world. You deserve to be fully supported emotionally, spiritually, and financially from doing your soul's work. Together, we can make a massive impact in the world and it's time. So let's do this. All right. Welcome, Sean. I'm so excited to have you here. And I can't wait to hear more about your story and go into all the stuff that we're going to get into today. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. Like we were talking about before hitting record, this is a bright spot for me this week. So thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for being here. Same, same. I was really looking forward to this. I was, I had so much fun being on your podcast and jamming out and I absolutely love what you're doing and what you're expanding into. So I'm excited to to, to really just jam out. And I would, yeah, I would love to first start off by hearing a little bit about your journey of entrepreneurship. I know you and Dela, your partner, do fitness and help people in that realm. And I always love hearing people's backstories of like what led them to doing the work that they're doing and creating their life, their dream life from it. Right. Well, that's a great start to kick things off. Also, I want to point out, like I said, before we hit record, you and I are the same age. So we've lived a lot of life. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, Stephanie, my wife, Dela and I started an online fitness and nutrition coaching company called DLD Nation. 
we used to have normal quote unquote traditional nine to five jobs. Mm-hmm. And we started to get fit and healthy on our own with tracking macros and working out a certain way. And for whatever reason, we didn't notice other people talking about it. And so mainly my wife started posting about her journey. And then in the beginning of 2018 said that she was taking on clients that went so well, like better than we could have ever expected as far as the engagement from her followers who wanted to become clients that she quickly turned to me and was like, I can train you to do the macro side of things because I have a background in competitive swimming. I swam at a really high level for University of Georgia and mm-hmm. I know how to train, but didn't really know how to eat, which is wild, right? Like really wow. top notch universities, they still don't really teach nutrition to their athletes. And so Dayla taught me macros. I was able to take on more clients with her. Fast forward to now we have 24 assistant coaches who work for us. Wow. And I've migrated more into a life coaching capacity and Dela has migrated more into a business coaching capacity, helping other online coaches. Wow, that is so cool. And you guys started doing this in, you said 2018? Correct. Yeah. Wow, that's really fast growth and super inspiring from your normal job to an online empire in just like three years. Thank you. We appreciate years. that. Yeah. Also, because I think, because you know other online coaches, like you and I kind of roll in similar circles. Circles and what I think helped Dayla and I is we were doing it together. Mm. We've been a team, and so if another couple have two separate businesses, if they take a day off or they're sick or they pull back a little bit, they they don't have a, a partner to push things forward. Whereas if Dayla wanted to take some time off, okay, I'm gonna take the reins, or I'm sick, Dayla's gonna take the reins, and we can help push it forward together. Mm, mm. What that and that I'm sure is super helpful. <laughs> um, what was it like for you when you both took the leap to going fully on your own? It was challenging and stressful. Like I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm asking. Cause I, a lot of people listening are, have, or have either already gone through that or, or are in the midst of it, depending on where, where they are. But I know for me it was, and even though I had like little part-time jobs, but it was nerve wracking because I had to let go of an old identity and you really have to trust yourself hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, we, so looking back on it, I think we did the work to be okay making that jump. And our case was unique. Dela was a labor and delivery nurse. Uh, so she brought new life into this world, which is super cool. But in the state of Texas, those individuals don't get paid very well. She was making maybe like 40 to 45 K a year. I was working a sales gig for a tech company. And so on a great year, I was making about 120 K. And so we, while we were both coaching people on the side, we were doing the, we were in sort of that hustle phase. And so for me personally, it would be wake up at five, go work out, go to my nine to five, work on deal donation at lunch, come home, eat and work from, you know, 7 PM to 11 PM on deal donation, go to sleep, rinse and repeat. And we did that for about four or five months until it got to that critical mass of kind of a, something has to give and B, can we maintain a similar quality of life with transferring more time to coaching clients and trusting the process that that's going to grow and more time that we have to spend on it is going to grow that. And we're going to be able to, you know, still pay our bills and, and live our lifestyle. And we wrote that all out. So we wrote out how many clients we have, the money that's coming in from that, the money that's coming in from our nine to five jobs. And then also, and I think this may resonate with your audience. Our final decision was we didn't want to regret not doing it. 10 years from now, 
and mm -hmm. say, oh man, I wonder if we had gone coaching full-time, what would have happened Versus, okay, let's jump in and do it. And in six months, we might have to beg for our jobs back. Like I remember <laughs> when I quit my bosses who were really supportive because they were like, you know, you're basically starting a family business. They were like, well, you know, who knows if you're going to be back here begging for your job back. I was like, literally like, I have no idea, <laughs> but we would much rather take that route than wondering what if. Yeah. That's awesome that they were supportive too. Yeah. I was really fortunate. You know, they said, I'm not going to a competitor. It's not like they have to deal with me on another side. It's just mm -hmm. like, Hey, we see the writing on the wall. You know, they're really supportive of me, really supportive of Dela. They had also kind of, you know, Dela had come to holiday parties and other events and they had sort of seen her Instagram account grow. They had seen her transition more into a coaching role. And it was funny for me being in it, I sort of didn't see the forest for the trees, but when I quit, I had so many colleagues in the sales department be like, we we're waiting for when that was going to happen. Or like, we were wondering, wow. and I was like, really? Like, it was that obvious. Wow. That's so cool. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's great to hear some, some more of like your becoming, I love everyone's stories of their becoming. What, um, what were some things that you did for like to work on your mindset during this, like throughout your whole journey? I know you're really big on that too. We talked a lot about on your podcast, um, always love sharing the mindset tips and, and things for people on this journey of entrepreneurship and just the journey of creating your dream life essentially. So I'm curious, um, what were some things that really helped you just stay focused and motivated and, uh, on top of your game? That's a great question. I love how you pitched that. I have to give credit to my father and how I grew up as a competitive swimmer. Believe it or not, he had me visualizing my races when I was like 10 years old. Wow. Because I, I, you know, one works really hard in certain sports and they hopefully see growth in that sport. And in swimming, it's all time-based. So someone playing basketball, they can't play with LeBron James, but if you're a swimmer and you make a certain time standard, you can swim next to Olympians. Like you can swim next to Michael Phelps. And so I would make these meets at like 10, 11, 12. And I tell my dad, I'm really nervous. And he would say, why don't you visualize the race? And he'd sort of walk me through it, like going up to the blocks and like smelling the chlorine in the air and like all that to just calm my mind. And now what we know from Dr. Joe Dispenza and others, how powerful visualization can be. And so it's something that I've maintained in my life uh, up to this day. I'll still visualize the different goals that I have for myself, for my family. Another one is I was divorced in my late 20s. So Dela is my second wife. And my first wife and I, while we were going through challenges that led to our divorce, I started meditating. Mm. And that practice, I still continue to this day. And that's really calming practice for me, which has been helpful. And then uh, writing out goals. And that's really come from the research that I've done. Like fun fact for your audience is if one writes a goal down, they have a 40, they're 42% more likely to achieve that goal. And so using some of these hacks to get there. Uh, last thing I'll say is I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan who is a basketball player and he has a mentality that he calls the Mamba mentality. And basically it's just focusing on getting 1% better every day. Don't look at the mountain and be overwhelmed, but just take the steps that you have to take in front of you. And that's been really helpful in every stage of our business from when we were first starting to when we were growing and hiring assistant coaches to now getting more into life coaching. And I'm writing a book right now nice. as well, which is more mindset and fitness focus. And it's been helpful to have that mentality. I'm excited to hear more about your book soon. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm going to have to send you the link for the Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. Th thanks for sharing that meditation and visualization, all of the above. I remember when I first, um, I like how you mentioned the goal thing, 
the, what was it? 42% more. Yeah. When you write down a goal, you're 42% more likely to achieve it. Um, so I started one of my very first personal development books was goals by Brian Tracy. And, um, he says to write them down every single day. So, I mean, this was like in 2013, I would literally write the same, not, not always the same, but I would write them every single day, every single day. It didn't matter if they were the same or if they changed and it really helped me stay focused and like motivated. And it's so cool. Cause I save all my old journals looking back That's- and seeing what ones like I totally shifted out of and also what ones I have achieved. Um, it's, it's super cool looking back. It's like magic, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure you write down your goals and then you go back to some of those old, old journals and you're like, wow, like I didn't realize I hit that one. Like, oh, I achieved that goal. Like I had yeah. a similar practice for uh, quarters. So I'd break it up into three month increments and I'd goal set at the beginning of each quarter of what I wanted to do personally, professionally. And their life gets in the way sometimes and I wouldn't look at it for a little while. And then I'd pick it up like a month later and be like, oh man, check that off. Like I did that. Oh man. And it was just like, I just wrote it down and like magic. I was able to accomplish it. Yeah. So good. When you visualize, do you visualize specific goals at a time or do you like, is it like the big end result kind of thing? That's a great question. It's not so much the end result as the individual goals. And I've tried to base my visualization techniques off of what I've read from Dr. Joe Dispenza, like in Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Becoming Supernatural, which I think are great books for your audience. I love Becoming Supernatural. That's literally like my favorite. I have the audio and the regular book. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, they're great tools for tactics that we can use to reach our goals and, and create that story in our minds that we can actually live. It's like, to me, becoming the main character in your own story. And for that visualization, I'll think of, okay, who's around me? Like, what does it feel like? Like, what does it look like around me? And even going further, like, what does it smell like? That sort of thing. I know he talks about sort of having your mind rehearse it before Mm -hmm. you actually step into it physically. Yeah. Yeah. And getting all of your senses on board in the visualization because your subconscious doesn't know what's real or what's imagined. So when you can get more of your senses on board, it certainly helps. Exactly. And that's something I know you and I talked about Bashar in our last podcast. And I think it all goes together. Like he talks about shifting from one reality or. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Same. Like I geek out on that stuff, the whole quantum. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it starts with your mind and Mm -hmm. being conscious of it and creating it and like throwing it out in the universe. It's like, uh, I saw a quote from Timothy Chalamet, the actor who's in Dune. And he said, life happens from you, not at you. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really profound. And I think we can use that to sort of shift into these different dimensions. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure like yourself, you look back a decade ago and you're like completely different friends, completely different career, completely yeah. different environment. And you've done the work over that time to shift yourself into what could be argued to be a completely different reality. It is definitely a completely different reality. Uh, and I'm a completely different person. Yeah. And it started in my mind. It does start in your mind. And then also your feelings, like getting into a different state, because when you like how, if you're going back to the Bashar talk and the whole quantum thing, it's like you program your mind to believe that it's already true, but then you start to, that changes your state of being and how you feel and how you feel changes how your habits and the things that you do, which get your results. It's basically like the NLP model here, you know, um, which is how reality is created. It's like the simplification of it. Right. 
And I like how in the books and through modalities like meditation and journaling, you can really control your emotions or at least be more at peace with them and not like, I don't mean controlling quote unquote so much as I mean, not letting them hijack you down a a path that you don't want to go. Like I imagine you're way more in control of your emotional state than maybe you were a decade ago. I can say that as well. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I was a hot mess express. (laughs) Not, not maybe just like even a couple years ago, I, I almost, it's funny because I I don't even recognize myself because I would spiral into things and I would get so lost in that spiral of thoughts that made me feel shitty, that made me, you know, respond in a certain way or not take certain actions. And yeah, emotional intelligence for sure goes up. I think it all goes together with like the body, mind, spirit. Like you were Mm -hmm. saying, this week's been super busy, today's been super busy, but you're like, I'm still going to get to the gym. Because yeah. you understand that you still have to take care of yourself. And I know you had an amazing weight loss journey and mm-hmm. that's also propelled you into what you do now. And so I think it kind of all goes together, the self-care, getting good sleep, staying hydrated, all that stuff, eating good food, like helps us make better decisions, helps us be more in control with our emotions. So then we can meditate, we can journal, we can do these other things to mm-hmm. help us continue to shift. Yeah. I almost, I see it all as an awakening like you and I both have been into fitness, you know, a lot of people on this path, we were just talking about this before we hit record. Um, a lot of people on the path of, let's just say living the life that you want, creating your dreams, living your best life. A lot of them start in the fitness realm of taking care of their body or doing, you know, training or eating better or whatever. And then that leads into, or is intertwined with the mindset stuff of like, you know, visualization and thinking positive and, you know, I know it was for me like crazy. And then you have that spiritual component of the meditation and it's, it's like your soul literally has been waking you up and giving you these little hints. And it usually starts with the body of the, the, the fitness. And I know you too have been leading, leaning more into your spiritual path. And I mean, you've, you've been on it, but I'm sure that the fitness and the mindset and the, all this stuff has opened you up more to exploring that realm. Yeah. It has. Yeah. And it's helped me as I'm sure you can vibe with your audience can to treat our bodies a lot better. So getting into plant medicine, which I'm very passionate about, I, first did them when I was in my early twenties. I first did psychedelics, mushrooms, and other drugs. I think, well, recreationally is like a nice way to put it up. I'd say like foolishly because I didn't have anybody to guide me or tell me how to do these things effectively. And so I would do them just for fun, quote unquote, with friends. And I remember the first time I did it the next day, I'm like, I feel like I had a really profound journey. Like, does anybody else feel that way? And all my friends are like, no, bro. Like, it's just cool to stare at a wall. And like, it's fun to do at a party. And I was like, I think there's something more to this. And so I had to do my own research. So I Mm. bought books. I did Googling. I watched YouTube. went down different rabbit holes to find others like me who were like, oh, no. Like, there is something to this. You can use it for personal development, self-growth, which is what I love to help people with now. But my, it really just... I guess, uh, reinforced what I was learning with taking care of myself and with the eating and with the mindfulness and meditation. It was like the, like Aubrey Marcus says, there's really no differentiation between psychedelic Aubrey and non-psychedelic Aubrey because Mm -hmm. he did them at such an early age. 
That was mm. sort of like me. There's like no difference between the pre and post psychedelic Sean. It was like early twenties. And from there on the psychedelics had always been a part. It was just me being a little bit more intentional and conscious of how I was using them. Yeah. And now they've been so great as a reset, uh, makes me, you know, really lower stress in terms of the impact I want to make, you know, what my goals are in life. And it's also allowed me to rethink how I treat my body, which all goes together. But I've seen, as I'm sure you know, and you have um, such great returns from doing psychedelics as far as my personal growth. Oh, same. I could literally talk about psychedelics all day. I'm so glad we're geeking out on this because I feel like I don't talk about it enough on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have talked about it a lot, but uh, yeah, I, my life, I wouldn't even be who I am today if I hadn't started working with psychedelics. And I say that, and I mean that, and I do share that at the same time, I, I, I'm conscious and aware that not everyone is ready to, or wants to do that. So obviously it's not like the end all be all. However, for me on my journey, it has been a game changer like I, I honestly will go as far as to say, uh, I think mushrooms are literally the answer to world change. I agree. You know, uh, can I ask you why you don't think you, t- you said you talk about it more and I would argue that you talk about it more than I do publicly. But <laughs> I probably, why, what, what do you think is uh, suppressing you from talking about it more? Um, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I love, I have plenty of podcast episodes around it and I, I share my stance openly, I guess. Um, I see people, sometimes I see people talking about it that are very new to it and they basically make it sound like it's everyone should do this right now. And I really believe that, you know, a person has to be drawn to it and ready for it. And if they're not educated enough about the safety and the setting and all of that, then it can actually cause more harm than good. So I'm just more intentional and careful about how I share about it because I want people to know that although that's incredibly life-changing and I highly recommend it in the right set and setting and with the right facilitator, there's also other tools that you can use. So I kind of keep it open like that, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. yeah. But I love, love, I, love, I applaud you for not that there's like a better or worse one, but I applaud you for being like one of the better ones. Cause I agree. Like it's been so life-changing for me as well. But if I were to talk about it when I first did them versus now, completely different. <laughs> I was completely different. I used to freaking go on. I, went, I remember one time I went on live video, like two days after a mushroom journey and I was sharing all my experiences and you know, that's not something I would per- personally do at this point in time, but I would, sh- I like sharing my takeaways and experiences for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I agree with you. The plant medicines are a surefire way to get there, quote unquote, to have like that entheogenic oh, yeah. experience, that transformative experience, but people can still get there through meditation. People can still get there through breath work. They yeah. can get there through like hot and cold plunges. And so there's different modalities to get there. It's just the plant medicines, like a surefire way. Oh, to it's get a there. fast track. And what I, what I think that a lot of people don't always realize is that how important the integration is which, I mean, you're, you're starting to help people more through this kind of work. So you obviously know the integration process after the journeys and experiences are the most pivotal because it's one thing to have an experience. It's another to actually take what you learned through that experience and bring it into your normal waking life. So it becomes who you are and how you operate. Right. Do you mind if I go into like the practice? Yeah, no, I actually yeah. wanted you to, yeah, go, go a little bit more into that. Yeah, I appreciate it. So in addition to 
fitness nutrition coaching and just in addition to life coaching, obviously I'm super passionate about psychedelics It's transformed my life. And it's funny because years ago, my best friend out in Los Angeles for both MDMA and psychedelics, we were, we were super straight laced. Like when I was growing up, even though I grew up in Los Angeles swimming, it was like blinders on, don't do any drugs, like mm -hmm. get to college. And, and once I was swimming in college, we're getting drug tested all the time. So I, mm -hmm. I couldn't even, you know, smoke weed because then I'd, I'd get kicked off the team type of thing. And so later in life, I started doing these substances and my best friends like, bro, like, are you off the reservation? And I was like, let me help you have a good time and, and see how profound these can be in a way that I wasn't allowed because no one showed me. And after I did that with him a couple of times, he was like, you should totally start like an executive drug experience for people like me who haven't even been exposed to it or have been exposed to it a little bit. And so that sort of laid this kernel or seed rather that's now grown and now with the right individual who has some experience and knows what psychedelics are they've maybe done them a few times and they want to use them specifically for personal and professional development i would love to help them do that and so what i've done is we do prep work up front so I have sort of a process of it's it's like akin to an application process not only their experience with it but in those experiences, what happened? Did they have a good or bad trip? Why? You know, I want to know more about that. I want to know common tropes and archetypes and themes in their lives going into it, plus the intentions around the trip and the experience as a whole and the intentions for the personal and professional growth. And I encourage them to come up with about two to three for those. Mm. And then we have the experience. What's funny is if I had done this years ago, I probably would have tripped myself, but I much prefer to stay sober so I can stay. I was going to ask that, like if, because, yeah. Yeah, because I have heard some people trip as well, a little or bit. a little bit, yeah, to get in the energy. Right. Not that it's but needed, but yeah. I would argue that if one is a psychonaut, maybe like yourself, and has the applicable experience, like I've done mushrooms more times than I can count. I've been same. asked a <laughs> times. And I understand what they're going through. And I also try to use uh, these chocolates that are always consistent. And I've used myself, so I know kind of where they are. You but can as you read know, the energy easy, easier too now. Oh my God. And I'd much rather be sober. Cause like one, one experience that I guided recently, my client, we were outside and out on a balcony and he turned to me and was like, I need to be inside. And I was like, cool. Awesome. Like slid the door open, grabbed a pillow. I was like right here, you know, and had I been in a different state, I don't think I would have been as attentive as quickly to help them. And I don't want them to have a poor experience or to be in that state of uh, stress or, you know, sort of unease for too long. Mm. Um, and so I've really enjoyed being sober. Like maybe I'll smoke a little bit of weed, but that's about it. And then once they have the visual part of the experience, uh, and they have their verbal faculties back, I will then ask if they want to go into their intentions and the things that we talked about. And as you know, when one does psychedelics, the mind tends to wander. It's hard to stay on task. And if I can keep them on task, then they can stay there and via the what's going on in the brain, how psilocybin is affecting brain chemistry, the different parts of the brain talking to each other and they can be more creative, not only in their professional life, their relationships, their personal life, and I'll take notes. And then it's also nice to be well-versed in animal meaning, different types of omens, you know, the, the various woo-woo esoteric topics mm -hmm. that we can get into. And then um, after the fact, so that night, I will typically give them a movie to watch. And that movie is based on some of the information that they gave me as far as their likes and dislikes, and then partly based on the trip that they had. Uh, I do that for two reasons. One, because 
I try to pick movies that are more hero's journey and can expand upon a topic that maybe they dove into or were interested about. Mm -hmm. And then also movies are great to check out too. So if they had a really intense experience, they can be like, cool, I just want to be entertained. I like don't want to think anymore. And then I'll also give them journaling prompts for that night. And then the next morning we have breakfast, go over the journaling prompts, ask how they're feeling and do some of that integration. But my goal overall with the practice is to allow busy people who maybe only have a few days for this to experience something like this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a private retreat type thing. It's one-on-one right now. Um, maybe at some point in the future, I would do a small group. Yeah. But for right now, personally, I have yeah. more than one-on-one. So it's more, is it like a, just a one night kind of thing that you do with people? The approach or the application process is typically a week or two leading up to it. And then yes, it would be the day of starting at around 10 or 11 in the morning. And that can get us done around like five or six that day. And then the following morning at say like 9 a.m., 9 30, 10, meet for breakfast and have that conversation. And I do stay in touch with these individuals after the fact. So I may check in with them that next day when they're going home or, you know, that next week, like, hey, you know, how is this resonating with you? Uh, for instance, one client had some relationship issues. So we had the experience on a Tuesday. And then on Friday, I was like, hey, just checking in, like, how's everything going? And, and he actually, that individual uh, felt that the experience was so profound. He had the date tattooed on him. So he's wow. he spot. Yeah. That is intense. Wow. What have been, um, you, what has, what have you seen have been like some of the biggest shifts in people who've done this work with you? Like, cause I know they can be pretty profound. I think the first one is realizing that they're way more powerful than they ever thought and that they can accomplish more. And I'm sure your audience, your clients would really vibe with that. Yeah. Also that they can lower stress around it. Uh, also as it relates to the trip, the experience specifically is taking completely off the table that they're going to have a bad trip because most of the people I work with their bad trip, they mm -hmm. did it alone and they didn't have any guidance. And so just having that, Oh, I have a hand in reality. This guy's sober. He's just smoking mm -hmm. a the weed. Like everything's going to be taken care of. Like uh, one client, he was like, I want to go for a walk. And I'd mapped out some parks in the area to go to that I thought would be good parks to go to. And so it's just like that, uh, you know, it's like you go to Disneyland and you've never been. And someone's like, Hey, I'm going to take you on all the fast pass rides. Uh, you don't have to worry about any of this. You're like, awesome. Like, I don't even need to think about this. So I can just focus on my experience. I think that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, and that safety around, you know, like I said, my wife and I are looking for a house, but typically I'll use like someone's Airbnb and they have a balcony. And so I'm there. If someone comes out on the balcony and starts talking, like I'm going to be the person talking, I'm going to be, you know, sort of that person taking care of them. And it allows them to go deeper in whatever realm they want to. Yeah. I think, uh, safety is the key. I was talking to a friend the other day who hasn't explored, uh, any plant medicine yet. And I, you know, keep, uh, I keep, uh, inviting curiosity into that conversation of, um, when he's ready to do it. Um, if he is, which I think he is. And one of the things that came up was, um, safety and not like feeling like, um, yeah, not completely safe and ready. It's the ego too, like to kind of like 
oh no, what's going to happen is like, am I not, am I going to lose control? Am I going to whatever? So having that safety in someone holding space and being in a safe environment, well, that is how you surrender and just let go and are able to get to the depths of what is wanting to be worked on or worked through or experienced in these experiences, which can be really, really expansive. hundred percent. Something that may help your friend that I've tried to help others with is encouraging them to look at the experience like a movie. And it's like any movie you go see, whether it's a action movie or a drama or a scary movie, you know, you're going to sit down and eventually it's going to end. Like you have your popcorn and eventually you'll leave the theater. <laughs> And so that's why I try to encourage people who may have their first experience. It's like, hey, some things are going to come up. But as long as you look at it as like, hey, I'm in the movie theater. I'm going to have this experience. Eventually, it's going to end, you know, and I have somebody there like you or like me or a friend who's done this before. It's like the person in the movie that's like, hey, is this normal? Like, yeah, 100 percent. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, I've had to hold a decent amount of space for people's first times, too. And I feel like uh I remember my first experience and having people there with me that were able to just, you know, remind me that everything's normal. It helped me calm down or feel relaxed and it wasn't even scary at all anyway. You know, I think we, a lot of people scare themselves into thinking of things that they don't know is going to happen. So it's uncertain people who say, Oh, I don't want to experience a bad trip. I mean, Yes, people have bad like bad trips. I personally like to take the word good and bad out of the equation and look at it objectively. I personally haven't had a bad trip or what I would label bad. I've had experiences that were a little uncomfortable. I've had um, challenging things to move through, but I would never label it bad because it was fucking amazing on the other side of it. And the releasing of whatever came through and yeah, it's always been really beautiful. Everyone's experience is different. Of course, though. That's what I was going to ask you if, and I love how you put that Stephanie, that it's not good or bad. Like those are labels that we humans put on things. It was maybe uncomfortable, but, and I was going to, and you answered this question, but I was going to say like, you know, did the experience give you what you needed? Oh yeah. Right. And I agree. Like I've never had a bad trip, quote unquote. I think there's, sort of fail safes that one can put on their experience to ensure a better trip. Like there's that Netflix documentary, have a good trip or have a nice trip. And they sort of give like rules to go by. Mm -hmm. And one is being out in nature. I think that's a big one. Like you said, set and setting. And so people can structure the trip to have a good trip, quote unquote. But the times when I've been uncomfortable or something's come up that I'm like, okay, let me work through that. Like I've, I'm sure like you have cried, like I've gone through different. Oh my God. I've cried like a million tears. I've cried such primal cries. I didn't even know I could cry like that. Yeah. But then on the other side, someone asks you three days later, you're like, Oh, it gave me what I needed. Like I'm good with it. And most of the crying, it wasn't always sad crying either. It was a wide spectrum range. It was grateful, gratitude tears. It was happy tears. It was compassion for the little girl me tears. It was crying for my mom or my grandma, you know, like it was all kinds of different cries. It wasn't just, you know, one thing. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a ton of fun. And I hope that more people get into psychedelics. Like I, I sort of equate, I was a history major at Georgia and I equate what happened with 
looking outward in terms of science and people who, you know, in the 15th, 16th century, someone was like, Hey, I made a telescope and I can see the other planets. And the church was like, all right, you're going to be put to death. Like <laughs> we, we can't have that. And now in the 20th century, 21st century, uh, we've made all of these substances that allow us to go inward illegal. And I think when we get on the other side of it, we'll look at it similarly of like, Oh man, we shouldn't have made those illegal. We should have like allowed more people to do it and do it in, in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of ridiculous that these substances are illegal, personally. Meanwhile, alcohol's okay and all this other stuff. Makes you wonder. It's so silly. It's, well, I mean, it's quite obvious, actually, because these are the things that can actually help people with depression and anxiety and addiction and, you know, just really remembering who you are. That's the people who are trying to control the world. I'm not going to go all into the whole thing, but they don't want people to remember how powerful they are. And with psychedelics, it allows our brains to communicate, like you were saying, in a different way. And essentially, you you start to remember who the hell you are in a really profound way that with if enough people do when enough people do which they don't like thankfully psychedelics aren't the only way to get there but once enough people do which is happening right now it's a tipping point i mean the world's we're entering a new world we're creating a new world together yeah we're getting there i'm really excited to see what the younger generation does uh with some of the things that they're getting into but i was curious have you read the book or heard about the book called the immortality key I've heard of it. I haven't read it. So it's a, that's a good one too. And it goes, write into, that down. yeah, it goes into the history of psychedelics for the most part. And it was written by a guy who's never done them. And he said that he's not done them because he felt like it would give his book more weight if he hadn't done psychedelics and was just writing about the history. But to your point about, um, you know, everyone should do this and it gives us this like reset. Um, apparently they were doing this. There was a big festival in Greece for literally like hundreds of years and this guy in the book postulates that what these people were drinking was sort of this psychedelic brew that was coming off of a fungus that grows on wheat and grain. And they were very, it was like a mystery school, quote unquote. So they were very quiet about what they were actually doing, but they talked about uh, after the fact what they were um, coming away with. And apparently everybody that did this was at the end of it, unafraid of death, like after this little oh, wow. day festival. And the author was like, this was a time when global pandemics were like a Tuesday, like it happened all the time. And you had like, you know, uh, raiders taking over your village. And so for them to be like, I'm good with it. Like this had to be a really profound uh, experience that they were having. And then to your point about sort of the powers that be quote unquote, um, he talks about in the book, there was one person, a historian who said, well, you know, why isn't there more written about this from this time. And he said that he took one writer and contemporaries said that he had over a hundred works and there are only five that survive right now because thousands of years ago, the church burned down like the library at Alexandria and like got rid of all this stuff. And so we're just piecing together. We have like a huge puzzle and we just have like some pieces. Wow. That's wild. It's crazy to to think that. I'm going to check out that book for sure. Have you ever seen Fantastic Fungi, the documentary? Yes. Yeah, oh, that was man, great. That's so good. That's so good. For those listening, if you're into this combo and you haven't seen Fantastic Fungi yet, you have to check it out. It's on Netflix, or I think you can rent it on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. I think you can get it everywhere now because it came out in like 2018 or 2019, and mm-hmm. now Netflix has it, but you can get it on Amazon. You can probably get it on YouTube. 
Yeah. And they, they talk about just mushrooms in general, not just magic mushrooms. And it's so fascinating to, I mean, I feel like mushrooms are so galactic. They're so alien. They're like basically aliens. They've been around for billions of years. These little spores that come and land and they just freaking take over the planet basically and and have a consciousness of their own. And then we ingest that consciousness and become enlightened beings. <laughs> yeah, because you know? we're also uh, fungi. Like that's what the, the documentary turned me on to, which is we stem from the same like DNA. species if you go back far enough. Yeah, exactly. Like we broke off from the fungi sort of genus thousands of years ago, millennia ago. And so we're kind of related to it. And I was actually talking to a shamanic priestess about a month ago because I was thinking about taking her course. And she said that in the Apache culture of Native Americans, they looked at it as like eating your relative. And so Mm. they would never start there, but they'd have their youth like, okay, you're going to like hold it. You're going to meditate with it. Did you get there? No. Okay. You're going to sleep with it. And it's going to be under your pillow. Did you get Mm. there? No. Okay. You're going to hold it against your face and like spend some time. You didn't get it. No. Okay. Well now you got to eat it. (laughs) But they were like, that's the last resort because they looked at it as a relative. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's wild. Well, I, I love how it's coming back now, though, how so many people are sharing about psychedelics and educating people. I mean, I feel like the last couple of years have been like a real boom in it. Yeah. And that's the other reason why I, like I've enjoyed getting into my practice. And I'm sure you have as well, because uh, Michael Pollan, who also wrote, wrote love a great that book, book. How to Change Your Mind, he's a new one out as well. And mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss have said in the next decade, there's going to be a need for like 100,000 guides for psychedelics because that's the way things are heading. Mm. Wow. That's exciting. It is. Yeah. That's really, really, really exciting. So what? A, what's one of the most profound experiences you've had? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a great question. <laughs> um, so... One was, it was kind of a series of trips and they were all of the entheogenic variety. So I've, I've never really microdosed. I always just mm, take a lot and, yeah, and clear the schedule and kind of do my own thing. Um, and the first time I had this experience where I felt like I was talking to an other, like I was laying on grass, I was looking at the stars in the sky and it felt like it was this being sort of like talking to me and one saying like, this is, uh, you know, you should be so grateful for this experience and not everyone gets to feel this way. And like you were saying, Stephanie, there's stigmas around it. So like not everyone's going to do this. And it's like really cool that you're here. And it almost felt like I was getting questions answered before I was asking them, Mm. but it felt like an other. So after that experience, I'm like, Oh, it's an extraterrestrial, you know, it's somebody (laughs) from the like Pleiadian or Syrian God, whatever, you know? And then I had a subsequent trip and it became a little bit more like, wait, this is from inside of me. Like, this is almost like, uh, you know, one could say spirit guides, but like other versions of me that are out there that are trying to guide me. And then a third trip that I had, which was actually during lockdown, during COVID, uh, because when we all couldn't go outside, even in Texas, yeah. a little bit looser than most places, but we had that period where it was like, it was illegal. like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was like illegal to hang out with anybody. So I was like, I'm going to do my own trip. And Dayla was nice. And just like, let me do my thing it was my hand in reality. But that third one, it became a little bit more solidified that this is my subconscious. This is maybe my, um, higher power, if you will, like I'm channeling myself potentially in like a Bashar future reality, who's already achieved everything. And it's really nice to try to tap into that voice. And a lot of my questions that were answered like almost immediately, which was like, 
that intuition. Like, should I trust that? And it was like, yes, like trust your gut, like that voice that's loving. And that voice is like, you can do it. Like, da, da, da. like that's the voice to listen to, not the voice that's like, you shouldn't do that. Or like, mm-hmm. you're less than and all that stuff. Like, don't listen to that one. Like listen to the one that's like, Hey dude, like the one that's cheering for you. Yeah. So those, those were sort of my most profound experiences. I'd love to hear yours too. Whoa. Thank you for sharing that. I, that's awesome. And that last piece that you just said, I think is a really great takeaway for anyone listening because it's so true is listen to the voice that empowers you because the, the voice that's the inner critic or whatever other people's voices that are for some reason still on the loop. If it's anything that doesn't empower you, it's not your truth. You don't need to listen to it. It's literally bullshit. <laughs> Agreed. Like, <laughs> what? I co-sign on that one. You what? You co-sign on that one? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I have so many uh, crazy experiences. Um, I, th- I think I might have shared one with you, right? The yeah, it was you. You were in Sedona. The cha- the, yeah. Maybe. Well, it was right after Sedona. Yeah, I shared one of. I shared the whole podcast episode about um, my the light language opening up. I think that. Um, but ever since then, I've had many experiences with it, and they by far have been the the absolute uh, most profound because um, it was literally like experiencing shared like a shared consciousness in my vessel, but also at the same time it, it, it was it me, but it's me outside of just Stephanie, so it seems like another but it also is, it's so freaking challenging to explain because it's not just me. It's literally like, you know, um, like energies, like a consciousness outside of, well, whatever. It's, it's hard to explain it, but I experiencing it coming through me in the way that it does the did during plant medicine or psychedelic experiences has been the most profound. I mean, my whole body was moving around like crazy. I was so certain of what I was saying, but also I was experiencing the, I was witnessing me saying the things or making the sounds, but I was also the one doing it. So I don't know if you can imagine that because it's kind of hard to probably imagine, but I was doing it, but witnessing it. And I even remember in the back of my head, the first time it happened, I was thinking, oh my God, this is really actually happening right now. Holy shit. Like, this is the craziest thing that ever happened in my life. Man, I have a story to tell now. Dan, this is wild. Like, you know? Yeah. It sounds like kind of an out-of-body experience, so to speak, but you were also in your body still. Oh, I was definitely in my body, but it was like, I was observing something else in my body and also it's feeling it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It does for me. Also, I think it's just humorous to mention. Um, sometimes psychedelics are a very cheap way to like go on vacation. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you had said, you were like, uh, oh my God, I just had this like transformative experience. And I would do that like when I had a nine to five and I would feel like the weekend was multiple days long and I'd learned so much yeah. and I'd be in the kitchen having coffee and a coworker would be like, what'd you do this weekend? I'd be like, I was chilled out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was pretty profound. I'm trying to think of any other, the first experience that I ever had was pretty profound too. 
I don't know if you've ever had experiences where you see or you meet like different parts of yourself. Obviously, I'm sure and most people do. My first experience, I um I basically saw the little girl me and then I saw another part of me that was uh, what I used to call gangster stuff. She's like the one that didn't take no shit. Like no one could fuck with her, you know, and both of those parts came out during my first journey. And I realized how neglectful I was to the little girl and despite the other one trying to protect her, it was also very mean to her. Like, oh, I'm not a weak little bitch, you know? And so I basically had to do this like parts integration (laughs) in a different way during that experience and was able to uh, forgive myself for neglecting different things. And yeah, it was really powerful. I think it's super cool that you're wearing a spiritual gangster hoodie. I always dress the part, you know, it's just become who I am now. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I can vibe with that. Like I've had a bunch of different phases of my life from growing up. I went to the public schools in Los Angeles. uh, So it was really diverse. And also you kind of had to watch your back. So you, you did have to have like a little edge to you, so to speak. And then um, growing up as a swimmer, like that's a different type of community. And then moving how I did from Los Angeles to Austin and to Georgia and Oregon. Um, I've had those moments where it was just like, again, being grateful for all the different experiences that I've had and like the different areas of my life and how they've all come together that to help me hopefully make more of an impact because I can vibe with different people in in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, it's been, for whatever reason, I'm always like, I think I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I'm always like looking forward and I'm always like trying to achieve, which also has a shadow side to it. But Mm -hmm. I, when I go into these experiences, a lot of times it's looking forward. And so I feel like I meet this future version of myself or the version of myself that has accomplished all the goals um, versus a, a younger version of myself. Mm-hmm. Same, usually. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so cool, all of it to think about. I so appreciate when, you, you allowing us to like talk about it too, because it's not yeah. an opportunity too, too much. I, I, like I said, I don't too often either with other people on the podcast. So it's cool to jam out on it. And, um, I know lots of people listening have delved, dabbled into psychedelics as well. Some haven't, some are like, what are they talking about now? But most people are, you know, into it, interested, dabbling in it, experience different levels. And I think, uh, it's a really powerful time to be alive and sharing this work and, you know, sharing our experiences, guiding people through different experiences. Uh, it's really exciting and expansive. Yeah. And yeah. So when's your book coming out? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so right now I'm, I'm, so I'm self-publishing. So I have a little bit more control over when it's going to come out. Right now, the goal is February 15th. Cool. Um, I can share a Facebook link for you. I have yeah. a Facebook group for anybody who wants to help with the book. Uh, I've shared, I've shared covers in the book. Uh, I'm about to do a Facebook live. It's November 4th. I'm going to do a Facebook live next week, uh, with an excerpt of the book. And my goal is to then have everyone who's in the Facebook group as thank yous in the book. Um, but the book is called hack your health. It's basically, I mean, real quick, the story of how that came about when lockdown happened and we all went into quarantine, Dayla, myself and our coaches noticed that our clients needed way more help. 
And of course, right? Like we were all going through it. Not only how, how am I supposed to continue my fitness journey without gyms, but uh, now there are way more emotional challenges. And so to not only help our clients, but then alleviate some of the pressure on our coaches to speak to those challenges, I uh, started hosting what we call mindset training sessions uh, every Thursday night for free for clients. And we record them if people can't make them. And so it was like, just bring whatever. It can be fitness, nutrition related. It can be life related. You can come share wins. Like, let's just talk about it, right? And have a container to do so. And for whatever reason, I just kept a list of all the topics that came up every week. And then this year in 2021, a year later in March, I looked at all of those different topics and there were about 30 and then I looped them or grouped them rather into chapters and that's the book. So oh, nice. a lot of it is hacking mindset, mentality, kind of how you need to think uh, on a fitness journey. Sometimes it involves behavior change and what are some hacks and strategies to do that along with the more fitness focus, which is like, I want to go on a vacation and not gain 10 pounds. Like, how do I do that? Or I want to go on a three-day weekend. I want to go on a psychedelic trip. Like, how do I, I want to go on a camping trip. Like, how do I, what are some hacks, some easy wins? Because I think people make fitness a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And that's where the book comes in handy. It, it, my goal is it's just like a, a guidebook, if you will, for people. Nice. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Definitely share with me your, the Facebook group link. I'll put it in the show notes for people. Um, and yeah, when, when it comes out, let me know, I'll share it on the stories and stuff, whatever. I appreciate I that. Support. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being, coming on and sharing all of your, you know, value and magic and going into the trippy space, which was super fun. I feel like we could talk forever. <laughs> um, but I do want people to know like where to connect with you and like to where to see like what else you have going on as far as different ways they could learn from you or work with you. So if you want to share that. Yeah, of course. And thank you for having me on. Like yeah. I was saying, we don't get to talk about this stuff very often. So it's a super yeah. cool to vibe out in this way. Uh, you're a great podcast host, which Thanks. is super cool. If you're listening, everybody, you need to follow her, like the podcast, support it, all that good stuff. But <laughs> if you want to interact with me, learn more about me, the best way is through Instagram. My handle is fitness shaman. Yes, there are three S's in the middle of that. Also, this podcast, I think, might be the only thing that really drives home why my name on Instagram uh, is Shaman, uh, sort of combining the two. And then if you want to learn more about what my wife and I do, you can go to dldnation.com or at dldnation. That's our main team page account. And then, of course, the Facebook group. And thank you for hosting that link. Cool, cool. Thanks, Sean. I'll post all those links and everything in the show notes. And that's super cool, the fitness shaman. Now it's like all tying together. You're coming out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual yeah. closet, the shaman closet. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for helping me do it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I think that people are going to receive it really well. Um, the people who are meant to work with you and vibe with you, and they're going to receive it well. And those who don't, they'll probably be curious to learn more, you know? Yeah, whatever happens is meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you so much again. This was awesome. And I had so much fun jamming out and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. If you want extra motivation to manifest a life and business that you're obsessed with, then find me on Instagram at the spiritual boss babe or visit spiritualbossbabe.com. I love you and appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you have a magical day.